walk away with failed expectations. Because we know whatever dummy they asked those questions to could have done better. <laughs> but tonight we're going to talk a little bit about expectations. When I bring this bag up here, the, everybody expects something. The kids really. If I walk into church with a bag and I actually just have hand-me-downs in it for somebody, you would not believe how many little kids walk away like this. You're giving away something to somebody in a bag? Because they expect me to come with this bag full of something. Now, due to that expectation for the children, if you listen, there are things you can expect in this bag when church is over. There's some candy in here for a child or anyone who considers themselves a child or if you just have a really big sweet tooth. Okay? But the kids get to go first. So you all have your index card, and I hope you have a pen or something to write with. On your first index card, I'd like you to take a moment and write the answer to this question. What do you expect to happen when you come to church? Don't overthink it. Don't list more than five things. What do you expect to happen when you come to church? No more than five things. Jeopardy. I might not be old enough for the dating game, but my grandmother loved Jeopardy. All right, are we close? Does anybody need a few more minutes? All right, there's a couple people. A couple seconds. Okay, the next question, now I want you to flip your card over. You may not change what you wrote on the first side of your card. You cannot go back. There are no do-overs. Turn it over and don't write on it again, okay? On this side, I want you to answer the question, what do you wish or hope would happen when you come to church? What do you wish or hope would happen when you come to church? No more than five. Going to give you 30 more seconds. Ten more seconds. All right, time's up. Take your card and put it on the seat beside you. We'll come back to it in a few minutes. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. 
While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. We're going to jump to Mark 5. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples asked him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask, Who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. He said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And then Matthew 8. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, And sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home, because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. In each of these stories, God responds to faith and expectation. In the first one, Jesus saw their faith and faith, and he responded immediately. He stopped his teaching. He stopped everything that was going on in the room, and he addressed the situation. With the woman, he turned around in the crowd and looked for her because he knew something had happened. And then with the Roman soldier, he stopped everything that was going on and turned around and told everybody how amazed he was at the faith of this centurion.
Faith and expectation cannot be separated. You can't just say this is faith, this is expectation. Faith can be explained as the choice to trust God. And expectation is the strong belief that something in particular will happen. But a real-life example of what faith and expectation are, they're kind of like Meg and her sister, Anne. They're twins. They have a lot of things in common. They look alike. Some people can't tell them apart. There are so many things that overlap with them that it can be easy to think you have one when you really have the other. You know, I'm sure Raj would never accidentally grab Anne and say, let's go. She would let him know. But there's a lot. It would be easier for one of us to walk up to Anne and start telling Meg our problems. And Anne is like, this is so awkward. I'm not a pastor at this church. Because we can think we have one and we have the other. Expectation can be disappointed. Faith is steadily trusting no matter the outcome. I want you to remember that for the rest of tonight. Expectation can be disappointed. But true faith continues to trust even when it doesn't understand. But you have to have both. Jesus saw all these people in these three stories. And the similarity between the the two is that these people managed to grab faith in one hand and expectation in the other. They never would have cut a hole in some other person's roof if they were just like, well, we believe he can do it, but we're really not so sure. People didn't forget when you cut a hole in their roof. (laughs) You couldn't just go to the other town and they forget about you. This is a big deal. They had expectation, but they grabbed faith in one hand and expectation in the other. And when our expectations are disappointed... It's easy to think that our faith wasn't enough. Scripture says if you have faith as of a mustard seed. So why didn't it happen? So we begin to feel that our faith failed. And that's not what happened. We have faith in one hand and expectation in the other. Together they are a powerful Force And when you bring faith and expectation together, action always takes place. Think of the scripture in James where he says, faith without works is dead. You cannot have works without expectation. You will not go and turn the faucet on to get water if you don't expect water to come out of there. You can tell somebody else, yeah, yeah, water comes out of that faucet. But they're not going to turn it on if they don't expect something to come out. You have to have both. If our enemy, if Satan can convince us not to expect, then he doesn't have to worry about what we may do next. Because without expectation, faith will lie dormant. Like a mustard seed that's never been planted, and action will not be present. Without expectations, disappointment is few and far between, but so will be the miraculous. So if you don't have expectations, because you might get hurt, 
Occasionally, you will be pleasantly surprised. Well, look at that. Look at God. Didn't he, didn't he show out today in church? Woo, I gotta go take a nap. We weren't expecting anything, so it was like, woo, that was good. And nobody's disappointed, right? But can you truly enjoy the benefits of God without expecting him to do anything? Faith with expectation will cause you to notice. You will begin to notice little things, big things. You'll notice those that need to be carried to Jesus. You'll notice your neighbor that needs to be healed, but's going to have to be put on a mat and carried to Jesus. You'll notice uh, we're going to have to cut a hole in this roof because we can't get this person to Jesus any other way. Because you expect Jesus to do to some do something. Faith with expectation will cause you and I to push through the crowd for our own needs. Instead of sitting back and saying, well, if he was Jesus, you know, if he really wanted to heal me or change my life, he could. But I don't know if he will, so I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to sit back here and believe that if he, if he really knew I had an issue of blood, hello, he would walk through the crowd and come over to me. He's God, right? Why do I need to push through the crowd? Because we have to activate expectation in our life to push through the crowd. And what happens if you push through that crowd in front of everybody and you don't get what you thought you were going to get? Expectation takes some risk. Faith with expectation will give us the courage to intercede for somebody else. Expectation opens our eyes to see the possibilities, the promise, and the potential future for the world around us. When we expect God to do something, we're like, oh, look what God could do in their life. Look at the potential here. Oh, it's really bad, but God can do something with this. Man, I don't, you want over here? I don't know if I can tell them the gospel. I don't know if it's going to help them at all. I'm pretty sure that it's just going to end badly. So I'm not, God could do it. But if he doesn't, I'm going to end up with them on my hands. What if they come knock on my door and say, you prayed for me and I'm still sick? We have to have expectation that God's going to come through. Satan works so hard to convince us that God won't answer our prayers. I really think that he's not overly concerned that we have a little bit of faith. He's really worried if we have a little bit of expectation. When we expect God to do something, and he says no, or wait, or he just doesn't answer the way we expected, immediately... Our flesh is offended that God didn't do things the way we thought he would. And then the voices begin to speak. Well, you shouldn't have stepped out. Look how stupid you look. 
man, you've been up there 18 Sundays in a row to get anointed with oil. Sit down. (laughs) Obviously, God does not want to heal you. You hear those voices? Oh, yeah, you gave an offering, the offering that God told you to, and now all you've eaten is rice and beans for three weeks. Guess you can't hear the voice of God because there wasn't a $1,000 check in your mailbox. Satan just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on because he has to beat down the expectation in our life. Satan needs you and I to live a life of perpetual disappointment in our Savior. I'm going to say that one more time. Satan needs you and I to live a life of perpetual disappointment in our Savior. Because disappointment leads to sadness. Sadness leads to despair. Despair leads to depression. And depression is a darkness that robs us of our vision. We can no longer see what God can do in our neighbor's life. We can no longer see what God can do in our life. We can't approach the person at the grocery store that's crying and needs prayer because we can't see past our own unanswered prayers. And we definitely cannot step out in faith. We cannot see the one Because we are paralyzed by the fear of disappointed expectations. I'm talking to leaders tonight. We can be paralyzed by the fear of disappointed expectations. I have been many times. Have you ever been paralyzed by fear? Because you've been disappointed. You've had faith in one hand, expectation in the other, and you have run towards what God wanted you to do. It didn't quite work out the way you thought it was going to. So you took your toys and went home, and I did too. Well, God, if you want to heal them, go ahead, do it. You don't need me to go make yourself a fool of myself. I'm not going to go share the gospel with somebody and have them throw it back in my face. Laugh at me. Job said that his friends laughed at him when he cried out to God and expected an answer. Job got an answer all right. It was not what he expected. But I want to read what Scripture has to say about our expectations. Romans 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Satan wants every one of us to be fearful slaves. He says, go ahead, hold on to your mustard seed, but don't you dare add any expectation to that because God will fail you every time. And he handicaps us and he binds us because of our fear of being disappointed in our expectations. And as leaders, it's every day. He's going to find something every day to tell you you cannot expect from God. A new way he will fail you. Scripture says, instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. 
In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in this, his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Which means every one of our expectations might not be met to bring glory to him. Because it's not about bringing glory to us. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Fragile clay jars with the light and the Spirit of God in us. And this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Our fragility is the plan of God. We are to expect things from God even in our fragile state. Verse 8 says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. So these are some things you can expect. When you feel like maybe God's not going to listen and I don't really have much to expect in Him anymore, this is what the Word of God said. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed. That means we don't understand. God, why didn't you do this thing? But we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. I have some suffering in my body. God's decided not to heal. But if I know that I am sharing in the plan of Jesus Christ and his death, it says so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. So when my body's hurting and I'm in pain... And I say, you know what? I'm just going to stand. And I expect God to heal me. But that's when that faith comes in. But I will trust him. And it says, the life of Jesus will be seen in our bodies. When that person in the grocery store sees you, and they're like, man, what's going on in your life? Well, I've been going to church. I'm going to small group. And they're like, Brother Antoine, you can't go to small group? You might pass out from those headaches. And you said, yes. But God has a plan for me. Whether it's healing on this side or the next side, my God has a plan in me. And the life of Jesus Christ burst out of Antoine. And that person feels the Holy Ghost come all over them. And they don't know what it is, but they think, man, I need what he's got in my life. And without suffering, that light is never shown. So... We live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the Psalms has had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. That Psalms has had faith, but he had expectation. I believe in God, so I will speak. 
I don't believe in everything maybe ending the way I want it, but I will believe in God, and I do believe in God, and you will not stop my voice, and you will not stop my expectation. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. I'm going to blow my nose really quick. is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We must take faith in one hand, and we must grasp on to to be expectantly. We must grasp on to that. Otherwise, our gaze will be on our lack, our, our disappointed expectations, on sadness, despair, and then depression will come in. But if we fix our gaze on the things we can't see and we expect God to do a miracle and we expect God to keep working and we expect God to keep moving, then our vision is not blocked. We must not let disappointed expectations make us give up. I have a little funny I'm going to share because I know she'll let me. When we are singing, we expect whatever they put up, and the words that come up to play. We sing, right? I'm going to tell them Sister Moss because she's my, one of my favorite people, and I'm a lot like her. I'm sitting over here, and they're singing while I think uh, Stephen and Regina and the family were on vacation. And Sister Bernice, maybe they were here, was given, somebody was given a sign, and, and the AV had a different sign, and some of the music had a different sign. And it was a musical train wreck. And Sister Moss was going to worship the Lord. Bless it. And she went into what was on the screen, and they played something different. And I was over here, and I heard her. And they did it again, and she went right in, and she was singing. She expected them to play what the Word said. Now, I know people that would have sat down and been like, I am done. Everybody in church just heard me sing the wrong words. And I looked over, and Brother Moss is snickering and laughing and holding (laughs) and talking to her. (laughs) And she's laughing and singing and worshiping the Lord. She had some disappointed expectations. (laughs) But she didn't say, well, I'm not singing anymore today. My pride's been a little wounded. They heard me. They heard me sing words that weren't. Nobody else was singing. I'm not worshiping the Lord. He shouldn't let that happen to me. 
And it sounds trivial. But in the grand scheme of eternity, our disappointed expectations are trivial. It doesn't feel trivial in the moment when we're hurting and we need a healing. It doesn't feel trivial when God told you to go pray for somebody and and nothing we can see happened. Be healed in Jesus' name. Man, I gotta go sit down, I'm still hurting. You know, you give somebody a word from God and then they backslide. You give a prophecy about what God's gonna do in their life. And then they never come back. And our expectations are disappointed. And God says in his scripture, we should fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Don't look at the troubles we see now. And tonight as leaders, we must add expectation to our faith. I don't doubt that any of us here have faith. But have you ever walked into a service and really not expected anything different to happen? We were sitting at that conference, and the preacher made a comment about expectations and miracles, and, and I can't remember the quote. And the Lord spoke to me. When was the last time you went to service and expected the miraculous? On Sunday morning. Expectation is the birthplace of the miraculous. And services started flashing through my mind. Services where I sat down and thought, oh, good, the singing's over. I can just sit through the preacher and go get me a Coca-Cola in about 30 minutes. Because I forgot to eat breakfast and I needed caffeine now. And I would have prayed with somebody if they needed the Holy Ghost, but not real long. I had zero expectations for that service. I expected to walk out of here and go get a Coca-Cola and be a nicer person. But if I had actually had expectations for that, per- for that service, I would have made sure I grabbed something to eat and I would have made sure I had some caffeine or something to help me be a nicer person. So however long the Lord wanted to move in that service, I would have been able to hold on and be where God needed me to be as a leader. But I got 10 more minutes of sleep instead of the caffeine and a little bit of something to eat. And that had nothing to do with my expectations for the service because I really didn't expect anything except for a few songs, I just thought a few songs, some shaking some hands and some preaching and, hey, praise the Lord, let's go home. And then God moves, and I'm like, whoa, look what the Lord has done. Somebody got baptized? What? Man, the miraculous has happened. Did we know that the miraculous would happen a whole lot more if we just expected it and prepared for it? And we wouldn't be shocked. We would just go, look at God. I knew he was going to do that. When I was actually praying for the service this morning before I got to church, God spoke in my spirit, get ready. I'm going to do something today. God couldn't speak in my spirit because it wasn't drug out of bed till the last second minute. And that's me on Sunday morning. What if the Lord asked me to get up and early and pray on Sunday morning? I might have a sick headache or something. <laughs> so when we filled out our card... What do you expect to happen in our services? We filled that card out. Is that what we, you want to expect? Then you have your wish side, your hope side. What do you hope would happen in our services? Well, we're leaders here tonight. And guess what? We have a huge amount to do with what happens in our services. What happens in our week? 
Believe it or not, God puts a lot in our hands. And if we walk in with faith and expectation, then the side that's what do you hope would or wish would happen in church will become the norm. And we'll have to fill out a whole new card. Because we're like, well, if God can do that, what about this, Lord? I was thinking about this. Oh, oh, look at these new desires in my heart. Man, ah, that's kind of crazy. Maybe I shouldn't ask the Lord for that in our services or in our small group or at the grocery store or at the gas pump or at work. When expectation gets a hold of your life, the miraculous happens everywhere. You can't hold it back. It starts to bubble out of you. Somebody's at work and they're hurting and you don't say, oh, I'm going to go ask my church to pray for you. You're like, I got break in five minutes. I would be happy to step out and pray with you. God can do this right now. And we're, not, we're no longer worried about what we look like. And what if it doesn't happen and the what ifs begin to fade and the fear begins to fade? Because we have faith, but when we put it with expectation, it is just a fertile ground for the miraculous to take place. And we can walk forward knowing and believing that God is going to do something. So as leaders, when we expect something, when we expect our order in the drive-thru to be right, we have to order it. If we come in and say, you know, just give me whatever you want, and we get up there and it's a number six instead of a number two, and then we're mad, whose fault is that? I'm speaking to leaders tonight. If you really expect to have company come in on Saturday night, you don't start preparing for it Sunday after they get there. We go to the grocery store and buy groceries, we clean the toilet. All of a sudden you notice, oh, my floors are so dirty. You would not believe how dirty my floors are on Tuesday before small group. The rest of the week, they're pretty clean. But right before small group, I'm running through the house throwing out Clorox wipes. Kids, kids, get those spots, get those spots. Oh, I didn't know the floor was that dirty. Oh, this is so embarrassing. And that is the truth. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I lay, I'm like, well, you know, we'll get to it we got to get the laundry done. Dinner's got to be made. School's got to be done. Nobody's licking the floor, hopefully. <laughs> we'll get to it. We do that in our walk with God. We get to church, and it's the altar service, and there's somebody there, and we're like, oh, Lord, they need the Holy Ghost. Can you do it? Can you do it? Can you do it? Well, please, 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 please. Please give them the Holy Ghost. Please, God. It's the first thought we've put into the service. But if we are going to be leaders... We've got to take some expectation with our faith, and we have to plan. You know, maybe I can pray on the way to church. Maybe I can listen to worship music. Maybe Saturday night before I go to bed, I'm just going to spend some concentrated effort. Just, just a little while and say, God, let's, let's talk about service tomorrow. What can I do? What do you want to do in service tomorrow? Maybe we can text somebody through the week. Hey, I hope to see you in church on Sunday. Maybe we can go ahead and repent and get real cleaned up before we come to church on Sunday morning so we can help and pray for other people. Hebrews 12, 12, I have fallen in love with this scripture. It's talking about discipline previous, how the Lord disciplines us to change us and how loving he is. And after that process, it says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. 
Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but will become strong. A different translation said that so those who are watching you, the weak and lame that are watching you, will not fall but become strong. So imagine those weak hands and those tired hands gripping faith in one hand. And then your knees are being strengthened with expectation in the other. And as you walk a life of faith and expectation, even though your expectation will be disappointed, and when it is, you just say, I don't care. I will continue to expect things from God. And when you do that, those who are walking with you, those who are walking around you, the lame and the weak, they will become strong for the sole fact of walking beside you. You may say, I'm a leader. I don't know what God wants me to do in ministry. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel weak. I'm getting old. Maybe I'm sick. Maybe I work a lot of hours and all I can do is I can't do anything else. I'm working all the time. So I can pray a little bit and I come to church. We'll grab faith in one hand and grab expectancy in the other hand and live for God in front of all those people at work. Live for God in front of your peers at school. Live for God when you come to church. And when you march with those things, all the weak and lame around you are just made strong because they're walking near you. So we stand together. Everybody has expectations. Everybody expects to make a cake differently. We get mad when some other body else puts something stupid on there like a cake mix. Something that's a given. Yet the scripture looks at us and goes, you have to have faith and expectancy. Duh. But we don't want to get disappointed. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get embarrassed. Take a chance on God. And I'm preaching to myself. And I, I told the Lord in that service, I, said, I will step out in expectancy. And you know what? If you say no, or somebody doesn't get healed, or something doesn't happen... There's a bazillion other people on this planet I will keep praying for. I don't have to understand anything. I am not God. But I do know the scripture says that I will take faith in one hand and expectancy in the other. The miraculous will happen. Let's take a minute to, to pray. Would you like to come up? for? I'm, I'm finished. I'm going to let Pastor Stephen finish this out. First of all, isn't it awesome what God is doing growing all of us in leadership? This pastoral team, I am so proud. I sat there in that pew and I watched as God used Rachel to absolutely speak to us a absolutely powerful and timely word. God is amazing. I literally, I kid you not, if I had a way to show you a camera, I literally sat because I... I usually can run ahead of my preachers. I pick up where they're going pretty quick, and I start running ahead. I, I've grown disappointed. So don't go home condemned. Do you hear me, leader? Just go home. Take a new grip. Strengthen your feet. And I kid you not, I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh God, this is Hebrews. And I kid you not, I went to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. I have sat there with that on my iPad for the last 30 minutes. 
and then she read it to you. This is holiness. The very next verse, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. That bitterness is not towards your brother or your sister. That bitterness is towards a God who is working a much larger plan and does not always meet our expectations, but still needs us to believe and expect. Do you know why this morning was so hard for me? Because I was afraid that what I was expecting, as I have at other times expected, would not happen. And yet, this morning would not happen unless I came expecting. This morning was exhausting. I'm exhausted. And the reason I'm exhausted is not because I broke, you know, I cut the rug or I got moving. No, no, no. It's because I'm at the same time as I feel the prophetic word within me and the urgency and the promise and the excitement. I believe God. I have believed God my whole life. But meanwhile, there's the disappointments of the past. There's the times he didn't move and I thought he should have. There's the times he's doing something different and I don't understand. And I became disappointed. God, what if, what if you're hanging me out there again? Rachel rightly told you, you cannot force God to take away the disappointment, but you can choose to keep expecting, even if you're disappointed. Faith and expectation. And operate accordingly. Show up every single time. Go to your job that way. Do what you do. Follow the leading and guiding of God. And every time he disappoints, pull your faith back down and say, God, I believe you. God, I trust you. God, I love you. I'm going to expect you to do the miraculous again. I'm going to expect you to open the doors in front of me. I'm going to expect you to give me that person I can share the testimony with. And you just keep going for broke. I am both corrected and encouraged tonight. I hope you are too. Don't let the devil beat you up because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen to me right now. This man of God that stepped with a prophetic word this morning, this man of God that has anointing, and you've heard me in the last year, the anointing that is upon me, this man of God has been disappointed and needed this correction. So when the devil tries to tell you that something's wrong with you and you can't step up into that, you rebuke him in the name of Jesus and you step right back up. Rebuke him. Shut it down. Say, devil, you don't get to talk to me. You're a liar. You cannot speak the truth. Go expecting. And yeah, God will disappoint us at times because he has a larger plan. He knows what he's doing and he does all things well. So take a new grip with your tired hands, church. Strengthen your weak knees. Let's expect him to do what he's promised to do. And if his timing is different than what I want, I still expect it. If he operates in a way that I, I, I thought I understood what he was doing and he actually meant something else, 
I'm still going to expect it. I expect 50 churches planted. I expect multiple services to happen. I expect, I forgot to say a word this morning. He told me to say it. I didn't disobey him. I just forgot. He told me to tell you to expect within two years we're into two services. All we need is 50 more people that are attending faithfully, and we got to go to two services. Oh, yeah, did you feel that settle in? That's why I was a little fearful to say it myself. I'm going to expect him, period. I have faith. Can God do that? Come on now. Does anybody in this house believe that? Can God in the next year and a half reach 50 people? Come on. Two services at once. That means in each Sunday there or each weekend, there's two services going on. No, I'm talking besides Sunday night. Yeah, we're going to a second main worship service within two years. Can God do it? We're not having a problem with what God can do. We're having a problem with, but what if he doesn't? What if he? There's the expectation piece. Put your hands in the air and let's ask him to help us. Can we do that? Jesus, help us. God, help us right now. Reach down and strengthen some hands that have grown tired, Lord Jesus. God, reach down and strengthen some knees that have gotten weak, Lord Jesus. God, strengthen us, Lord Jesus. Give us the excitement. God, when we first came to you, you had done such miraculous things that we expected everything. We expected you to do all kinds of nutty stuff. You didn't do it, but we didn't even stop because we just were expecting it. God, help us to grab back hold. We are not lacking in faith. This church has been faithful. We are not lacking in faith, Jesus. Help us with our expectation. Help us to set aside our disappointments, Lord Jesus. Help us to strengthen our hands. Grab with new grip, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to strengthen our weak knees. Help us to pursue your nature and holiness, Lord. Give us that power, Lord, and help us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you.